All right. Let's go ahead and get this one started. Hey, Kai, wake up. You need to stop snoring. <laughs> That's some rude shit right there. This <laughs> <That laughs> is Beers with Hallows. Threats, Beers, and Mouths. Welcome or welcome back to Beers with Talos, episode 71. Today is January 17th, 2020. I am joined, as usual, by Matt Only, Craig Williams, and Nigel Houghton. Joel is not with us today. He has taken a day off to take his daughter on an amazing birthday trip to go see a show in New York. See, is he going to go see Socks with Pages? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a that's a deep cut for new listeners. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, do we want to do we want to go around the table, or do we want to ask each other questions today? Oh, <laughs> I've got a question for Craig. Yeah, what's up, Nigel? Okay, so Craig, what did you break on your new car this week? <laughs> oh, well, actually, we should back up a little bit. Craig got a new car. For anybody who doesn't We've know. We've talked about this. Uh, we spent it. 20 We've minutes talking about, about this last week. too long. Oh, good. Thank God. <laughs> I'm so glad. Okay. It was awful. Craig has a new crisis car. And uh, <laughs> what did you, <laughs> what did you break mobile. on it, Craig? I know you broke something on it. What happened? The Porsche 911 no. MLC Midlife Crisis Edition. Is that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd That's buy the it. One. <laughs> but you did. But you did. You this is true. No, it, nothing. It's uh, good shape. So it did break the day before I got it. Uh, they were, well, according to my guy, they were cleaning it with a pressure washer. And if you have the paint protective film on the car, you have to be real careful about how you do it. Apparently they tore it, but Porsche of Austin was really cool. They went and replaced it all. So it's all good. Oh, that's nice of them. They can see a sucker coming, can't they? Now, when I wrap it around a tree later today, then <laughs> I'll come back and record good. a few minutes for you. <laughs> Let me get this straight. You have you have plastic wrap on your car. Is this not like the same yeah. thing as like leaving the plastic cover on the couch? No, it's yes. it's called like a clear bra. It's so if a rock hits your car, and because Austin is perpetually under construction, it's. You know, you may as well. Can get you it peel it off like like a giant, satisfying, slow plastic peel? No, it's it's like glued on. It's apparently quite difficult to remove. I hear uh, using a pressure washer is the way to go, though, Craig. If you want to remove that stuff, probably. Uh... <laughs> uh, since since we're gonna do questions today instead of the roundtable, uh, I have a question for Nigel. Oh, okay. You are heading down here next week. Yes. It's Gasparilla week. Did you remember yes. to bring separate bail money? <laughs> yes. I and I In your made sure <laughs> you can't lose it. <laughs> I have two wallets, right? So I got the one in my pocket and I have another one that's in my coat pocket, right? And so they both got cash in for bail money. So if I, you know, end up in, in custody without the jacket I've still got money and if I end up if I end up in custody without my pants I've still got money it's in, it's in my jacket oh so on that on that note I we had a, we had a visit from one of the local police precincts here the other day uh, working with Cisco on a couple of things um, and they asked me to come down and talk to him because we've done uh, they, this was some like network engineering stuff but they asked me to come down and talk to him about the security stuff because uh, we've done some work with with uh, law enforcement in the region uh, recently. That's totally how they're going to so get once that warrants is active. They're going to be like, Matt, we got to well, talk to you about a thing in Europe. You want to come on down? <laughs> so they uh, 
so uh, they're introducing me, and I realized what what police agency this is. And I was like, oh yeah, hey, I'm Matt. I've been in one of your jails. <laughs> <laughs> and then a little later on, like the sales team, not amused, didn't think that was the funniest joke no. they ever. But uh, I eventually mentioned that I have emergency services background, and the reason that I was in their jail is that I was uh, my paramedic clinicals were in their in their precinct when I was uh, when I was going through my paramedic. I feel like you should have led with that. <laughs> nah, well, I, don't, I think I think, it, I think my introduction was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Craig, Matt, any questions? I have a question for you, Mitchell. As caretaker of this show, why would you carefully, before we start recording, ask each of us? Okay, does everybody have a topic for the roundtable? And then as soon as it starts, go like, so we're going to do the roundtable. We're just going to ask questions that you didn't run by any of us before we started. Oh, oh, if you would have made the planning call on Wednesday. Uh, that you did when I was in a meeting. But yeah. Yeah, well, that's where we talked about it. So did you, did you note that on the, I mean, I looked at the run sheet. Matt, you don't get to like go proof texting with the run sheet now. Like you can't just ignore this thing for 70 episodes. I looked at it before we started. <laughs> that's how I knew what to study up on. And there was nothing on the round table about questions. Yeah, well, you did fine with it. So, you know, Craig, what was your, you had a question for Matt? Yeah, sure. What's up? I mean, not now. He's going to ask me who my favorite was. <laughs> no, I, I'm just curious, uh, you know, from your perspective, do we see more chatter about the uh, impending threat from Iran or during the ongoing threat from say Russia or one of the other ops like Korea or whatever. I, I'm just oh, Iran curious. went off the charts. Okay, yeah, Iran that's what was, I figured. Like every every partner we had, every like low level contact we have, everyone that knows us uh, from from different agencies and organizations globally reached out. Oh, hey, just letting you know we're interested in Iran. If you know anything, let us know. And it was just like, yeah, we know, we know. And we're just like making lists. We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You and everybody else, buddy, got it, got it, got it, got it. Now it was it was um, in terms of uh, different different organizations globally, kind of watching and, and collectively coming to an understanding that there was a potential for a ground change in terms of what was acceptable to, in Iran's mind, to engage in um, a great deal of concern globally um, that, that hopefully, hopefully things are uh, settling down now a little bit. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I just to, just to, you know, respond to Matt, I, I saw the same thing, which I thought was pretty interesting, you know, like it was almost like the ongoing threat of something happening was paid attention to more than when something happens, which I found especially ironic. We spent last episode talking primarily pretty much only about uh, Iran and related, you know, APT issues. And we want to talk about a couple of those same things today. We're going to talk a little bit later in the show about APT strategies uh, and how they work and also how defense in depth works from the blue team side, from the defender side. But before we get into that, we did want to talk a little bit today about uh, a favored tool of sysadmins and of, you know, black hat hackers alike is a very familiar tool to Windows environments called PowerShell. And that's where we wanted to kick things off today. We want to talk about 
A, we'll, we'll, we'll explain real quick exactly what PowerShell is, how it's used, and then how you can actually secure PowerShell to ensure that you can get some of those advantageous things of, of using a tool like that uh, without putting yourself at unnecessary risk. Uh, Craig, you brought this one up, so I wanted to kick it off with you. Well, I'll give a quick intro, and then I'll let Nigel chime in because I'm sure he's more familiar with the details than I am. But basically, you know, when you're a system administrator, there are oftentimes you need to run a large number of things on multiple systems, like installing applications, patches, standard admin stuff. You know, historically, people would use tools that were kind of like a round peg in a square hole, you know, like WMIC or passing things through the command line as far as authentication creds. And while those tools worked from just like a pure functionality standpoint, from a security perspective, they were kind of disastrous. And the reason I say that is because they would leave credentials in memory. And if you've been involved in the security scene at all, you know, uh, I, I would say from any perspective this day and age, you're well aware that there are, I don't know, dozens if not hundreds of off-the-shelf tools that'll just carve password hashes out of memory which can then be used in patch the hash attacks and attackers can get creds for all your systems. And obviously if it's an administrator credential you're using to do whatever it is you're doing, that's super bad. And so uh, there was a tool being developed, uh, I don't know, Nigel, several years ago now, probably 10 years. I don't know the exact ten date. Years since, um, 10 years since they released PowerShell. Yeah, uh, you know. Called PowerShell, which is a very powerful scripting language designed with you know some security in mind where it doesn't, leave credentials in memory. And it's designed specifically to do these. And I'll, I'll let Nigel talk a little bit about the guts because I'm sure he knows more than I do. Now it's, I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, PowerShell was introduced and it does for, you know, it had security in mind when it was introduced because of all the problems that you were just mentioning with other tools and things that people were doing. Um, and it is, you know, obviously a lot better than those tools were. But essentially, you know, it's a way of administering machines, either individually or, and here's where it comes in, your, your issues start when you're doing it remotely, right? Um, if you remember back 20-odd years ago now, 25 years ago, when Back Orifice was introduced as a tool, uh, you know, people were running that because it was the most convenient and easiest way to remotely administer Windows machines when you had them, right? That's what Back Orifice was used for. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, People who with, um, you know, more nefarious people, should we, should we say that also started to use back orifice and would install that on machines so they could, they too could remotely administer those <laughs> machines, even though they weren't supposed to be doing so. He's supposed and, um, to be using know, air quotes, but he's not. I'm kind of confused. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um. Uh, uh, PowerShell is, you know, is being used in a similar manner too. You know, attackers can use it just in the same way that your systems administrators can use it too. And that's where the issues start coming in, right? Using it remotely is where you start having problems. And it is a powerful tool and you can do lots of things with it. And, and that's going to make it very attractive to attackers as well, as well as your administrators, right? They both want to do jobs and stuff. So I think the question is, you know, not, so much is 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 PowerShell secure. It's it's how do you use it in a secure manner, right? There's ways and things you can do. Yeah, right? and so to kind of give the context of this discussion and how it came up, um, you know, from from a security guy perspective, and I mean this from purely a security guy, not like an administrator. 
Uh, we see PowerShell used all the time in attacks, like Nigel said. Now, the reason is nothing nefarious. You know, think of PowerShell like a Swiss Army knife. You know, you can use it to make all kinds of fun stuff. It's an extremely valuable tool. It's an extremely useful tool. But from a security guy perspective, every time we see it uh, being used by a bad guy, we ask ourselves, oh, did they really need to leave a pocket knife sitting out? You know, mm-hmm. and um, from an administrator standpoint, of course, the answer is usually yes, because I needed to use that pocket knife to make things on that system. Um, and so that's where kind of the, the discussion came from is because from, you know, like an IR perspective or security guy perspective, it's very easy to say, no, that system shouldn't have it on there. You know, we should remove it if we're not using it. But the reality is that's not always a really feasible solution, right? I mean, that's like saying you shouldn't have an administrator account on a system. You know, that's really easy to say. And yes, it's, it's technically possible, I suppose. But the reality is from a day-to-day basis, it's just not super feasible for most people. Especially at the enterprise level, you just have to acknowledge that PowerShell is wildly useful and widely, almost universally used to administer modern Windows networks. Yeah, I think it's safe to say it's probably universally used. I I mean, if you're not using PowerShell, you have gone to great lengths to replace it. Yeah, I mean, especially if you count the bad guys, it's universally used. <laughs> <laughs> there's, I mean, there's ways to use it securely, and there's ways to monitor it, right? I mean, it's it's kind of like everything else. If you have to use something, or you are using something, you should be monitoring and logging and paying attention to what's going on, right? This is why we keep going back to, uh, you know, segment your networks. This is why you do segmentation. Then you can see. What's going on? And if I have a segment that, say, only has desktop machines on it, then I'm not expecting those desktop machines to start remotely administering each other or trying to remotely administer something else, right? And what I what I expect to see is is my administrators being on, you know, their little segment administering certain machines, servers, for example. Maybe they do have to reach into the desktop network and administer machines there, right? But I I wouldn't expect them to be in that desktop network and coming out somewhere else, right? So there's there's ways to to look at, well, where should your administrations be coming from? What should it be looking at and what should it be doing? And there's ways to lock that down on your Windows machines too, right? So there's the, 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 uh, what's the, there's, there's two ways that PowerShell can be accessed, or maybe is it three ways that can be accessed remotely? I don't remember exactly. Um, I mean, you know, the Windows administrators will, will tell me about it later probably when they listen to this and tell me <laughs> off about it. You forgot this, you forgot that, There's whatever. no way you could put something on the internet with the wrong answer and expect a response. <laughs> like, that doesn't happen. Right. Yeah, it doesn't. never happens. <laughs> well, basically, I mean, the two, the, the ones that you'll hear most is going to be WMI and the, uh, what's the other one, WS Management Protocol, right? So there's there's two ways of doing it. And one of them, the WMI one is a bit of a pain because you're looking at some of the SMB ports, like was it 135, 445? Uh, I, I don't know if it uses one of the others. You might, you might use 139, I don't know. But anyway... It's going to be connected on those couple of ports, and then it, and then it'll open up some ephemeral ports, so something ten twenty four and higher on the box, and that makes it kind of a bit squirrely to to kind of monitor, right? Because you, it in order to 
kind of let it work properly and be happy, you'd have to allow those things to happen on, you know, from your firewall standpoint, right? You'd have to say, all right, it's use those ports. That's good. And then all of these ports here, you can also use, right, for your communications, right? And then, but, but the, the other thing, Craig, is that, is that on the WS management side, if you use that instead, there's only two ports to look at. Now they're ephemeral. One of them's HTTP and one of them's HTTPS, right? So you can even lock it down to just use HTTPS and so that you're going to be using SSL when you do it anyway. And then you can start monitoring it a lot more closely. And if you know that your remote PowerShell sessions are going to be going over a singular port using SSL and stuff, then and you, and you see them doing something different, there's a bit of an indicator there that something maybe isn't quite right. You know, spoken like a true old school intrusion detection system analyst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Microsoft now is like, oh, we're on version five of PowerShell. It's not like they came out of the gate with a whole lot of good tools to to manage right. this particular problem they put in front of us. So I don't, I don't. It's not whatever. But in terms of logging, they've really added the some abilities to log PowerShell behaviors with transcript yeah. logging and script block logging and protected event logging. The, the various um, things, but the problem is now is you have to be, you know, you have to now talk to our, the end users and be like, PowerShell is a very capable and dangerous tool, and 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 that's I think yeah. that is a completely fair statement, and and as useful it is to you, there are things that you have to do in terms of, uh, especially at the enterprise level in terms of ensuring that it is used only by you for your purposes. So you have to have script signing turned on and you have to be have mm-hmm. your sim able to look at, at what is coming out of the logging and analyze yeah. it and be able to say, hey, this is not authorized or this is unusual. And you have to limit the languages that it has access to to hook to um, to only those necessary in terms of language control and only those necessary for you to execute what you're trying to do with the PowerShell script. You can lock many of those things down too on the on the individual machine, but what you've got to be careful with with that stuff, with logging, is how much information you log. It has an impact on the machine itself, right? So the amount of information that it's actually logging is going to start affecting performance of that machine. So if you're talking about high-performance servers, you don't want to just throw on all right, log all these, log the mo- turn on the module login, uh, script login, transcript login, whatever, turn them all on, and then we'll get that information. Because you're going to start affecting performance for one and the volume of information that's now coming from all your machines. And when you're talking enterprise-wide, that's going to be a hefty bit of information, right? So that's, that's where I wanted to kind of jump in because I know that Microsoft's guidance on this, one of the main, I think, five pillars was basically look at your logs. Um Turns out there, which is a shitty pillar. <laughs> <laughs> well, it turns out there are ways to cheat at it, right? Uh, because there are certain yeah. things that are more interesting than others. So I started digging through some well, of the, our the transcript. The transcript log is the one that Matt was talking about, which is really useful. Which logs kind of everything that goes into a PowerShell command and what happens and what comes out the other side. All right, so you get yeah. the the whole session on a transcript log. Well, so, so for our behavioral indicators, we actually filter it down to just the really interesting ones, right? Yeah. Uh, here, let me let me give you an example so you guys can get an idea of what I'm talking about because I forgot to send the link to everybody. Uh, but basically, a shortcut that calls PowerShell, PowerShell launched from a website, PowerShell used to download and execute a file, um, 
PowerShell was seen using the expand archive feature, you know, <laughs> all things that yeah. might not be super normal, you know, downloading and running a sample, uh, being called from a web page, you know, so right. there are ways to look at PowerShell, uh, use a management tool. In this particular case, it's our malware protection system, basically monitoring the systems, pulling out the ones that we would find interesting and using that to wait actions. Uh, but even if you don't have that, you can still look for that type of activity in your log files. Just paying for software to do it for you obviously makes it a lot easier and less cumbersome like Nigel's complaining about. So what Matt. are these what are these pillars <laughs> that you're talking about, Craig? Well, so when the discussion came up on Twitter, uh, somehow we got tagged. I'm still not entirely sure exactly how that happened because we didn't advocate for removing PowerShell in our blog post. Um, but anyway, if I get tagged into a discussion, I'm happy to stick my nose in somebody else's <laughs> business. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, Microsoft had five core recommendations. You know, the first one I believe we've already spoken about is deploy the latest version, right? PowerShell five built into windows 10. Oh, that's um, pretty much standard advice for anything. Any software. Yeah. yeah. You know, well, so the second one, well, but, it's a, but, it's a, but, but, but for different reasons, Nigel, there yeah. are security protections and controls that went into PowerShell 5. Like, this isn't a oh, gotcha. vulnerability update or a patch like that. There right. are things that they, they've recognized that, particularly in PowerShell 2 or so, there were problems with how they had implemented and how uncontrollable that tool was. And so, you have right. to go to PowerShell 5 to, to get some of the features tools. we're talking about. Yeah. So you're not talking about a bug. You're talking about like architecture of the actual product itself. Yep. Okay. Yes. Yep, and yep, so yep. these aren't next right. to each other. We're jumping ahead to number five, but just to tie it together. So while number one is update PowerShell for the reasons Matt outlined, number five is actually make sure that you're running Windows 10 because those two together can actually give your security software granular access to what's going on. So like Windows 10 okay. has that visibility cut out into the core OS so that AV can hook it and see what's happening, which is exactly what I was talking about, like we do with our software, I suppose. Um, the second one is, of course, collect the logs and monitor them. Now, obviously, that's not... Easy, simple. <laughs> well, it's easy to collect them. <laughs> right? Yeah, it is. It's Turning on logging for true. all the things is super easy. It's everything after that that gets cumbersome and boring. <laughs> uh, and the third one is basically, uh, they call it just enough administration, right? And so effectively what that means is use minimal access, which makes sense. That's a safe yeah. bet for everything. Well, if, yeah, I mean, it, it, try, it, it's really about, local admin access when you're talking about the just enough stuff so you, if you're doing everything in an enterprise and it's all remote access administration then you can limit the amount of access that a local administrator might have and and your your normal user obviously would not be a um, an administrator on on the local box anyway so it kind of limits the amount of things that that, that person can do and whatever but then when i an administrator comes along and logs in there are some things that they can do locally but maybe not all of the things. And so that kind of pairs up with number four, which is basically, you know, have pre-approved tasks that people can run. They call it device guard and application control. And basically right. that means have a subset of the PowerShell language available to the users based upon what they should have the ability to do. So, you know, simple access and control. That, and really. that's another, that's another version five thing then, is it? Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm sure. I mean, it sounds like when they started doing five is when they got really serious about security. Uh, and paired with Windows okay. 10, you know, I mean, 
I think we can all agree that the security posture of Windows 10 is a great improvement over previous versions. I mean, um, just to be completely honest, and this is my story, so if anybody thinks I'm wrong, they can go f*** themselves. But um, <laughs> but I, I right. personally think Windows 10 is probably one of the most stable and painless versions of Windows I've ever run. You know, I don't use it at work really anymore, but I use it for gaming and, you know, just a lot of standard home use stuff. And it seems reasonably secure. It's easy to update. And I don't know. I, I like it a lot more than I have the previous versions. I guess as long as the as long as all your aimbots work properly on Windows 10, <laughs> you're good to go. <laughs> well, and you know, my kid was asking me how to play a game the other day, and I was like, "Well, we need to be able to look in the memory so that we can go find out which value is your experience yeah. and just set it to nines. And she looked and at me really weird, and I was like, "Or we could just change the date of tomorrow, and then you can get more levels." And she's like, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> Her stupid game—it's so repetitive that they set a level cap per day. So you go oh, in and come on. Uh, that's what I said. I was like, dude, it's like a cute game where you're like you you have a pet and you like teach it to catch balls and fetch frisbees and they they level capture. So I, I helped her find a way around that problem. Oh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> So I I don't know, but apparently, like you know, uh, I, I I don't have to run into any of this. I use uh, Metasploitable as my OS at home. <laughs> <laughs> well, all thirty eight of the administrators on there at any given time. <laughs> you know. Yeah, the more administrators on at any one time, the better. Well, yeah, that's I mean, how so weird. We have thirty eight administrators, only twenty employees. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> getting free admin what are you talking about oh <laughs> uh, so so what should people do other than okay so we need to run up-to-date up-to-date software on ros and on the latest version that they need to do is they need to go review the microsoft documentation for securely yeah. executing powershell scripts there's sure. a lot to it you can't learn what you need to from from us um but but what we're saying is powershell highly capable highly dangerous thing that's sitting in your environments it's, it's one of the live off the land, go to sort of tools that actors are using. So like many things that will aggravate you, you have to go look at the documentation, evaluate your particular environment, and implement the controls they provide. And Mitch is going to add the link to the uh, description on the thingy. Mitch, I'll paste it to you now. (laughs) Yeah, so when you want the the description on the thingy, go look at the show (laughs) notes. Nailed nailed that, Craig. (laughs) Like and subscribe. Uh, follow us on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> so we've established that PowerShell is something that is obviously used um, for both both good reasons and bad, right? Both for proper administration and for nefarious administration. Yeah, it's like the um, it's the JavaScript of your desktop. <laughs> oh, oh, they're gonna love that. <laughs> Damn, that is you know K-Pike I, I, think, I think at K P. Yeah, at me, Microsoft. <laughs> I I think the important takeaway here is that, you know, while it's really easy as security people to say, turn it off. uh, And and obviously on a lot of our systems, we probably can because we have alternate means of accessing them. For most administrators, you can't, right? You've got to be able to access it remotely. And I think it's more important that they use those scripts to keep those systems up to date, to keep them from being compromised uh, than it is from worrying about PowerShell abuse by normal users, uh, or from people trying to find ways to escalate their privilege. You know, the insider threat is there, but the outsider threat, if you're not patching, is a lot higher. 
you know, when we first brought this up, we, we talked about this as a tool that is commonly used uh, for nefarious purposes from, uh, you know, do, do we see a lot of this with like lower level actors? Yes. No. Oh, oh yeah. PowerShell Empire is like the, yeah. the script kitty version of getting stuff up. And, and, there are, and there are ways very quickly to break PowerShell Empire using the controls that they're providing. Um, it's just one of those things that you have to go in and constrain uh, in constrained language mode to to lock out their access to some of the hooks that they use. Yeah, it's just like leaving a handgun out on the counter. You know, hopefully it all works out. What? <laughs> so yeah, Craig, guys, Craig. a audience. Wow. Craig's been working on this metaphor for a while, and we keep talking to him about it. And he doesn't listen to anybody. Just like playing catch yeah, with probably. a lightsaber, it's all fine. Yeah, like, we were. <laughs> We had, we had negotiated him down to the to the utility knife slash Swiss Army knife thing. We were all okay with it, and he just couldn't make it through the episode without screwing up. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I think I think it is important to realize that while PowerShell is a very valuable tool, it can be abused, and it is. And to make matters worse, there are instructions out there that make PowerShell abuse trivial. So restricting access to PowerShell and taking those security controls seriously is something you have to do. You know, if you have a basic, system on basic the internet, cyber hygiene. Yep, you got to do it. You got to, you know, even better, maybe have security software plugged into it, monitor the logs. And if you can't do that manually, pay for something to do it. Get a SIM, get some advanced malware protection software. But you've got to do it. It's just one of those things about running a system these days. And, and that kind of figures into our the second topic we want to talk about when we talk about APT strategies and defense in depth. So obviously you can't just depend on your firewall or your, you know, whatever local AV software you're running to detect a uh, PowerShell exploit or somebody else like, you know, administering PowerShell on your end. So even beyond just PowerShell, when we are talking about, uh, you know, advanced persistent threats or nation state actors. And we're looking at different ways that we can defend against that, whether it's, it's, it's something as simplistic or utilitarian as a PowerShell style attack, or whether this is a, a an O-Day that somebody has in their back pocket. Um, what are the ways that we can look at to defend against these, those broader scale attacks that there's not a single point solution? I hate this question. This is the worst question. How do I protect myself against this? Or how do I, you know, how do I keep the Chinese out of my network or the or the Americans out of my network or the Canadians out of my network? Good luck keeping the Good Canadians luck. out. But five yeah. maple leaves all day long on those guys. <laughs> flashing, five flashing maple leaves of danger. Um, look, it's like saying, you know, how do I put the hanging curveball over the fence for a home run? Right. You're and you're looking at you're like, you've never swung a bat before. It is that should not be, you know. I and I and I and I recognize and I want to acknowledge that in the moment, um, you're getting enormous amount of pressure from your superiors, from your executive suite, you know, to to answer this question. But, you know, the real answer is you have to advance constantly your security maturity, and and I tell you, like we see, like one of the best things, for example, that the IR team does is as part of their incident response, they rate the companies that they're responding to their security maturity and have you know guidance for them to move up that chain. There are so many options available to the attacker that you can't just be like, I'm going to install this control. And we can, it is more about 
how do I advance my overall security practice forward to reduce the opportunities that are available to scripted, unscripted, criminal, and advanced actors? So some of it takes huge chunks of your of your um, of your threat surface away. Like that's why we push two factor authentication. It is low impact, high you know high value sort of stuff. But it's again only one piece of the overall discussion that you have to have. The, there is no there is no way to walk into some place and be like, oh, uh, you need to defend against Russia. This is when you do this. You need to defend against China. You're going to have to do this. They're not separate answers. Whether you're trying to defend yourself against Americans, Australians, Russians, Chinese, you know, Israelis, Ukrainians, Latvians, I don't think we've offended the Middle East yet. If you want to go ahead and yeah, click we'll that. get there. Well, yeah, <laughs> you know, so but it doesn't matter, right? You have to. It does. You never know who's coming after you, so you have to work on establishing a well, hold on. well-built I, security practice. I think this will help people understand it, right? You know, for every network that's out there, there's going to be networks that are similar, right? I think we can all get on that page. At every single security level, you're not the only one. You have peers in that same field. The problem is that these nation state actors will invest heavily in targeting very specific companies that are all across the spectrum. And they'll continue to invest until they're successful. And so by the time they get to your company, even if you're not a primary target, they already know how to successfully compromise companies in your segment. And so the question is, have you invested in things that your competition didn't have? Do you have extra layers of defense that could delay them for a period of time? Because that's really what we're talking about here. I mean, if a nation state style actor is hell bent on compromising you, they're going to keep trying until they get in. And so you've got to really evaluate yourself from a serious perspective and say, what are my weak points? Do I think those are something that others have? Do you think they've already found a way to compromise that? And unfortunately, I think a lot of the time the answer is yes. Fair. Matt, I want to I want to um, extend your analogy or actually correct your analogy a little bit, I think. You, you asked the question, you phrased it as like, how do I hit a hanging curveball? And I think that's, that's the wrong question. I think the question people are actually asking is, how do I become a Major League Baseball player? Um, <laughs> well, I mean, it really is. And like, so it's not a tactical answer. There's not like a, well, you're going to do this. You're going to keep your elbows in. You're going to wait for it. And then you're going to like, when it hangs for a second, you're just going to, you know, swing, keep your elbows, you know, down. And it, it, the question is more strategic than that, right? It's like, how do I get to the point where I can defend against this? It's how do I get to the point where I can swing at that major league curveball? Um, so how, well, I mean, the point, the point is there's a number of different other pitches that you're not going to be able to handle. Right. So you're, 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 you're asking these weird questions that aren't about how do I become, you know, the the correct answer is how do I become a major league baseball player? That's the correct question, (laughs) right? It's not, how do I do this one specific thing that major league baseball players can do? Right. right. That's that's what I'm saying. So the, they're asking the wrong question. And let me put this in perspective you know, yeah. for like certain companies. Right. Like they're wanting to know how to be a successful major league player. Meanwhile, they have one shoe, their legs broken. They're missing most of the fingers on their right hand. They don't have good eyesight and they don't have glasses. Damn, Craig. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, so the reason I say that, I mean, that sounds like ha ha ha, but the reason I say that is because we all know there's lots of systems out there at most companies that they are sort of peripherally aware of and they kind of turn a blind eye to and don't want to patch. And they're like, well, yeah, sure. We have Windows NT systems in the basement, but that's for blah, blah, blah. Right. And it's like, well, hold on now. Are they on your network or not? Oh, they are. Well, that, you know, that's vulnerable to literally everything. Well, I, not necessarily. I mean, you have to understand that, that how this happens, right? They have to answer to an executive authority, their, their direct supervisor or the executive suite, or the CISO or somebody. Um, and, they, and they're looking for help in describing how they're going to change their environment to approach this. And I guess what we're saying is, we acknowledge that you're under this pressure, but the correct answer is should be, okay, we've been thinking about this for a while. Here are the steps we've taken over the last year. Here's our roadmap going forward. We will continue to do this because we know that this is the correct path to harden us across the board going out. Uh, it's all about, you know, it's, it's, it's all about then using that situation to advocate for additional resourcing to address those things you haven't been able to address. Hey, I understand you're concerned about Iran, but you've turned around about 30% of my budget in the last year. This is, the, this is what I can't do because of those budget cuts. This is what I have done, and this is what I plan to do with next year's budget, but you need to give me the resources. But you have to be ready for that conversation, right? That's You can't right. just, you always have to be ready for that conversation. Is It would be my guidance professionally is, is that's how you approach this problem. You're like, okay, this is the realistic where we are. And, and you know, you can, you can always kind of shade and cover things and not, not be really brutal about your assessment. But inside your head, you have to know, this is what's going to kill me. This is what's going to get me fired. These are the things that we're going to do. And then have a, you know, sit down for a week and build out this plan. This is where I want to get to. This is how I do it given the budget I have. This is how I would do it if I had 30% more budget. And then that every time they come to you with a question like, how are we going to defend ourselves against this? This is the plan. You can't, you cannot move tactically on these situations. It has to be a strategic measured approach. Well, so I, I think it's important to realize. So I want to be clear here and highlight this for the users because they may be unclear about the difference between this and like a worm, right? When we're talking about advanced attacks, we're talking about um, you know, an adversary trying to get into your network. We're not talking about an automated worm that's just grinding away, that's becoming the background noise on the internet, right? This is a different, this is someone actively trying to get into your system, and this is someone that you've got to worry about. It's someone who's going to try new tactics and new techniques. And that's why when we talk about defense in depth, we literally mean it because they'll rattle one lock, and if it holds, they'll try and find a way around it. And if it doesn't hold, well, they've gotten in. And that's why if you do have problems that are basic in your environment where you are having trouble with the background noise of the internet, this isn't even something that you need to be concerned about. This isn't, this isn't going to be your primary concern because you're going to have multiple compromises with multiple adversaries in your system. If you remember back, well, Matt, Matt will know like many years ago, we used the amount of inquiries we would get from people back on the early snort days where it was uh, somebody's port scanning my, you know, stuff on the internet, the amount of those. Well, if that's if that's what you're concerned about, that's probably not the best thing to be concerned about. Let's put it that way. I mean, first of all, you know, there's there's many other things that are far worse than somebody port scanning your boxes. 
Plus, I mean, if somebody's like Craig's saying, if you've got an adversary who wants to find open ports, they're not going to be silly enough to do it in a manner that you can detect. Yeah, right? They're just going to show down. They're not going to go nuts on it and be noisy about it, right? So you gotta, you got to figure, all right, let's just accept that these people are going to be trying to get in. How are they going to do it? And one of the best ways you can figure that out is by hiring somebody to come in and do a red team event for you. If you don't have that money, then you're going to have to figure it out, you know, yourself and hopefully got the skills to be able to figure those things out and figure out the possible entry points and stuff like that. And, you know, I can tell you how to do that do for what free. You can. Okay, go on. You just have your CTO get on Twitter and say we're unhackable. Bam. Free red team. <laughs> yeah, but I think we've talked about this before. The documentation for those efforts is really yeah. poor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if people seriously want to look into that type of thing, you can go to most IR firms and they're going to have a consulting you know, service that does that. Uh, and yeah, I would, but I would, I would also, uh, I would also say that for those of you, and I've been in this position for those of you struggling, uh, in under-resourced positions, being asked to do extraordinary things to protect an environment that where the management seems not particularly interested in defending itself. And it's just, you know, has you as a checkbox, spend the time in, in this position that you're, you're probably deeply unhappy with, to develop the skills necessary to move you on in terms of professional development. This is where you show your chops and develop incredible, incredible things to, um, to then show your next potential employer. Well, I was in this situation and this is how I approached it. You know, it was deeply difficult, but I learned this and I researched this and I built this. Um, when I, when I left, uh, the company I was at right before I joined Sourcefire, that was essentially acquired by Cisco, and that's why I'm here now. Um, one of the things in my portfolio when I was interviewed by Matt was this is the the NetFlow um, analysis system I built, and here's all the the statistical stuff that I do on it, and here's how I show top movers, and this is the process that I that I went through to build it, and you know because they wouldn't buy us this, so we built it our um, I built it myself in house. Um, this is when you develop your skills so that you are more valuable going forward. And so I know it's incredibly frustrating, but but these these challenges come with a great deal of opportunity for you to really, really flesh out some skills. Here's what I would do in that position. You know, and here's here would be my recommendation. You first you have to have a plan. And and that's always when you when you're gonna go to management um, and request resourcing or or set a path. Have everything documented and written down. Have a timeline. Make your connections with other departments that could potentially help you. Um, make sure you have everything ready. Then go like, this is the what I want to do. Here are the identified weaknesses that we have. We are failing here, and it has this amount of risk. Um, here are the commercial solutions um, that that I know you're not going to buy me, and here's the cost. Here are the open source solutions that I think we could put in place to improve um, what we do, and we don't need these 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 solutions because we don't have the scope or the span that, that that's necessary. We can do this this way. It'll save us this much money. Um, this is what I need in terms of of personnel or development support. Um, 
and, and, and then every six months go back and have that meeting. All right, this is where we are on this path. Now we've implemented two-factor authentication. Um, we're really trying to get a better inventory of our systems now because I know we have stuff out there that we're not keeping good track of. So we're going we're to do that. And here's the method that we're going to do that and just continuously improve. It, it is so easy to get overwhelmed and, and you kind of have to, and I think I'm only able to say this, you know, at, at 45, but you got to take this kind of zen like okay this is the hell i'm in i just got to keep walking and this is where we're headed and and it's and it is an enormous ask and it's an incredible technical and professional challenge if you're in that position but that those are the kind of fires that forge people that go on to bigger and better things at other companies i think we, we should make that a t-shirt like just keep grinding like there's like yeah. Just, Actually, just keep. We, just keep we believe wanting. in you, buddy. Go get a beer after work. <laughs> Imagine we're there. We've all been there. I do want to close this this episode up. We have we we, we started out today talking a, a good bit about PowerShell and about the the good and the bad of of the tools. I think we learned there that you know tools are by their nature not good or bad. It just depends on how they're used. Uh, and we talked a good bit about defense in depth, um, both of which have plenty of applications to the environment most people are finding themselves in today. What you described last week, Matt, is a uh, period of increased suspicion. Uh, great inputs there. Uh, but I do want to go back around, uh, get a closing thought and a parting shot from the three of you. And Nigel, you're going to be up first sure. today. Okay. Well, um, first of all, uh, Mighty Red's playing Sunday against Scumbags. I'm just saying. Right. It's gonna be a great game, and then uh, yeah, and then um, I'll, oh, I'll be with you next week, Mitchell, for the next game. It's on Thursday, by the way, buddy. We'll be going watching that one. Just yeah, we'll go to the rover. We'll have a time. Yes, we will indeed. We'll have a time together. Yes, we will. Um, and the other thing I think I learned today from the podcast uh, was that um, Craig likes to leave loaded weapons all over his house on the kitchen counters and things like that for people just to use when they feel like it. I'm thankful we just talked about starting with the RPG in the closet analogy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, he gave that iPad that was fully loaded with malware to his kids once he got back oh, from that foreign country true. visited, right? Same thing. Yeah. I yeah, mean, that's, that's true. You know. Oh, did I ever tell you guys that my <laughs> voice and Craig's voice are sonically similar enough that I can trigger his, uh, hey Siri? Really? Yes. My Hey Siri is nice. apparently triggerable by anything. It's just garbage. <laughs> I keep it unplugged. Shocking. I think you just have a basic bitch voice that's just generic. <laughs> Craig, you're up next. What's your basic bitch clothes? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think it's interesting, you know, when people talk about security and software, um, sometimes they have a negative reaction to the knee jerk, remove it if you don't need it. You know what? I, I disagree. I think if you truly don't need it, remove it. Now, is that a solution for everyone? Of course not. Is it realistic for everyone? Of course not. But if you don't need Flash, remove it. If you don't need JavaScript, turn it off, right? If you do need that kind of thing, if you do need things like PowerShell, obviously take the next steps to turn them off. Take the steps to secure them, get unlogging, whatever you need to do. But I think it's important to remember that whenever you do evaluate your systems and the risks you have, the first thing you should always ask yourself is, do I even need it on? Right. I think that's a normal question that everyone should ask themselves. And so, you know, I, I understand why a lot of people on Twitter weren't happy with that sort of uh, idea being thrown out there, but I think it should be your step number one. 
And then obviously we can all agree that most systems do need an administrative functionality. And so then how do we do that securely? And that's where the security controls come into place. That's where visibility comes into play. That's where, you know, reducing access, reducing who can control it. Uh, and that kind of thing all steps in. And of course, there's an entire blog post. There's a whole guide on MITRE we link to in our blog post. You can go look at to see what the uh, APT groups are doing with PowerShell and things like that. So by all means, take a moment, go give it a read, educate yourself, and then you can make much more informed decisions. You know, when I have to make those decisions, I, um, I've started a Slack channel with all 38 administrators on my Metasploitable machine. Uh, you 20 person company. Yeah. I just, I just asked them <laughs> and they're all administrators. They got to know, right? Matt, parting shot, closing thought. Oh, I don't know. I, I think, I think I'm just going to give a shout out to, um, uh, one of our, our fellow Cisco people, uh, who, uh, you can find on Twitter at Dork Phoenix, where, uh, the O's in Dork Phoenix are zeros. Uh, I, I love her feed. I love it's, her. It's her, actually really good. Yeah. I love her. I love her, uh, comedic, uh, takes. And I, I think, uh, I'm never going to play poker with her cause I've watched her fat stacks. <laughs> <laughs> she, she wrecks poker rooms all over the country. Um, so yeah, go give her a follow. Um, lots of, lots of smart stuff coming out of that account. And, uh, Yeah. Yeah, keep walking through hell. If if uh, Dork Phoenix uh, shows up in Vegas this year, I think we should arrange for her to sit down at a poker table with Eric. I mean, yeah. I mean, it would be quick fun, but it would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go for Craig, but what? Well, yeah, that's fine. I don't. I don't gamble. I don't win. I've, I've learned. I know. <laughs> actually, actually, I think it would be even better to have her sit down with Warren and just watch him just get completely flummoxed at what is going yeah. on. <laughs> I mean, if she walked into the poker, it would be the same thing. It would be the same thing. I had watched this once in, uh, in it was like one of the smartest things I've ever done in poker. I'm sitting there playing one-two poker uh, in Vegas one year, and this uh, woman walks in, and she says hi to all the dealers. And then sits down at my table, and then I pick all my chips up and I stand up, <laughs> and I'm just like, nope. <laughs> yeah, that was a smart nope. move. I'm, I'm the, I'm the dummy. I'm leaving. <laughs> no, I don't think you were because you left. Everybody else who stayed, on the other hand. <laughs> Listen, I want to thank everybody for joining us today for episode 71. Uh, stay tuned in a couple weeks. Episode 72, oddly, is going to follow this one. Pineapple. Pineapple. <laughs> Can't talk about it yet. Can't talk about it yet. But it's coming, and I'm super excited. That's going to be the best. <laughs> we are fast approaching RSA, Mitchell. That's your favorite one. Uh, we will be at RSA. We have a lot of good stuff coming up there. Uh, Matt Wachinski is going to be there with us. He's going to be uh, doing a session at the Cisco Innovation Day, Security Innovation Day. Uh, so we have a couple sessions uh, there. Uh, we'll be in the booth. And we will also see all of you at the customer appreciation party. That's always a big hit at RSA. But we'll probably talk a little bit more about that in the coming weeks. Uh, until then, remember to subscribe and leave a comment wherever it is that you listen to Beers with Talos. And we will see you next time. Cheers. Cheers.